So this awakening, being awake, attentive, doesn't mean trying to be awake. It means being awake in this itself. Pure awareness. <clears throat> so in the chanting we have Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipako, Panayako, Bhajatang, Vaitidapo, we nearly chant this every morning and evening usually. It's a apparent here and now. So this word Dhamma, you don't define it. You're not trying to find out what it means by definitions, but now, this is Dhamma now. So it's pointing, it's awakened attentiveness, pure consciousness. And you define them, you say, the truth or the law or... <coughs> and then we start thinking about it in terms of the meanings of those words, truth and law and whatever. So it's not a matter of definition, of trying to figure out its esoteric meaning or anything like that. That's thinking again. It's just trusting in awareness. Santitika, Santitika Dhamma. Now when I do this, then I'm listening, I'm paying attention. This is a sense of resting, listening, openness. I'm not thinking. Then there's openness, this re relaxed attention, and there's a recognition of like this. And the things, things that are happening now become conscious, like breathing or sensation to the body, sound of silence. Now these I consider, you know, just ways of centering, what they we might call centering. Because the breathing, anapanasati or breathing is, we usually don't have a, a personal <coughs> view about it. It's not like a, a personality is usually not... Uh, dependent on the breathing of the body or the sensations, the sitting posture, the heat or cold or relaxed or stiff or 
feeling good, feeling pleasurable, painful, neutral sensations. So this, the posture, the breathing, these are kind of like gamatana or foundations. Because they don't, they don't tend to, we don't tend to proliferate much about it like this, you know, the body's sitting like this, nothing to that. And to, you know, think about sitting and analyze sitting and create a, you know, a whole tome of opinions and views about sitting seems rather pointless. Because we're doing it. <clears throat> sitting through the ages. how the Romans sat in the Colosseum and so forth because like the history of sitting but we know that's just being absurd so we're not interested in how the Romans sat or anyone else but sitting is like this breathing is like this An attitude of receiving, you know, not trying to figure it out or do anything. It's like a <clears throat> this retreat, this notice, any, you know, I want to, you know, any feeling of I am, this is my retreat, or I must, or I should. Any any way that, you know, your personality, the sense of your self-importance is, is uh, activated through just the the perception of two-week retreat, <coughs> winter's retreat. Because on the conventional level, there's always these things that kind of prod us, that, that uh, stimulate, that excite, or we react to, we, that, you know, make us do things, or feel we should or shouldn't. And developing awareness is awareness around us. It. Kind of this way we're so intimidated or stimulated or reactive to other conditions <clears throat> just, uh, or ideas, conventions. So when I say relax and open, I say, don't make this a kind of thing you should be doing. If you're stiff and tense and and so forth, be aware of it like this. I should be relaxed. Is another Sakya Ditti problem, isn't it? Arjun Tomato says relax, open. I should, you know, I'm trying to open up and relax and do what Arjun Tomato says is conceptual proliferation, papancha, sakyaditi, you know, these words are, I'm somebody that's got to, that should relax, follow the instructions of the teacher.
So it's all right to be tense and uptight, you know, or whatever state you're in. It's not, not, no longer am I trying to convince you to be otherwise. Just encouraging you to open to it, receive it, let it be the way it is. Nothing to do. Just, you don't have to change anything, but just pay attention. Now, awakenness itself is enlightenment. It's not, <coughs> we talk about enlightenment. That's a word that, you know, we, what does that mean? Uh, we think of it in terms of, you know, scriptural uh, references, the Buddha's enlightenment when all the realms of the universe shook and things like this. So. It's, uh, it sounds like a big experience, you know, like a, you know, because it's built up into some very special, very uh, extraordinary experience according to the way one might think of it or translate it into modern terms. But I don't find that very helpful, you know, to think of enlightenment in, in, in terms of scriptural descriptions of the Buddha because that seems, you know, that seems it's too extreme it's, uh, can't do it, in other words and if one is waiting for that to happen you know, you can be completely lost in, in the sense of yourself waiting to get, waiting for enlightenment to happen expecting some kind of fantastic, overwhelming experience. And it's still Satyaditi. I'm I'm waiting to for the enlightenment moment. Maybe it'll happen during this retreat. Maybe it'll never happen to me because of my bad karma or whatever. But all this is in this category of Satyaditi. Ditti or self-view, personality view. So practically speaking, in terms of here and now, sitting in this shrine room, is not very light in here, a little candlelight, so forth. We could turn on all the lights and we could bring in floodlights. Would that be enlightening? <laughs> Bring in strong floodlights, you know, on both ends of the room and switch them on till we're blinded by intense light. Or, practically speaking, at this very moment, mindfulness. Sati, Sampatanya.
I'm not saying I'm enlightened, because then that that gets the wrong impression. Like Ajahn Sumato is now enlightened because he's aware. That's the conceptual proliferation again. So there's no self, there's no Ajahn Sumato, nobody can get enlightened. There is awareness. Consciousness. Consciousness is light. It's not. It's conscious moment, aware. Then I could create gloomy perceptions in the consciousness. I could start worrying about the future, resenting the past. I'm creating darkness gloomy what people did to me in the past or what's going to happen in the future George Bush Americans Al-Qaeda my health so forth creating, you know, you create gloomy perception (coughs) what we call negativity or darkness or we can create uh, positive perceptions, which, you know, we can create visions of light and paradise, uh, angel, angelic chorus, angels with white wings playing harps, uh, imagining spring flowers and, and bubbling streams and green grass in the, in the English winter. You can create a whole fantasy of beautiful, pretty perception. But none of these can be sustained. You know, they're not sustainable. You can't create a, a, a pretty picture in your mind and keep it. It's not, it has no self-sustaining ability. You have to keep kind of recreating it all the time, hanging on to it. So what at this moment is you don't have to do anything. You don't have to recreate it or force or control anything. At this very moment, here and now, and this is this is awareness. And then this is listening, you know, attentiveness, nothing. You know, this is not difficult or beyond anyone's ability. You don't have to be a experienced meditator or even a monk or a nun or anything like that. It's just natural state. Whether you're feeling, you know, you've got terminal cancer or on your deathbed or you're uh, robust and healthy, young, old, male, female. This is not nothing to do with limitation of conditions. It's totally natural. 
And so this is why we may be referring to this here and now, awake, Santiti Kodama, apparent here and now. I'm not creating a mental thing, I'm just recognizing this. When I do this, then I'm pretty much aware of sound of silence, this vibratory kind of energetic sound, or whatever it is, it's this. The thing itself, I don't have to, I don't create, it's not my creation or my invention. Now when you recognize, recognize it as awaken like this, and then the, this I, if you're going to use words, concept again, I go back to the, there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginate. Because this uh, sound of silence or consciousness Whatever you want to call it, I'm not, the words are, we're not interested in, in, in the words themselves, but using words that convey the sense of not, not bounded by limits, not arising, ceasing. It isn't like a thought or a memory, perception. It's not a, you know, a, it, it, it not a physical thing. But it's real, you know, it's not, not a, a fantasy. Now when I do this, then I'm, I'm, I can sustain this awareness. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of hypnotize me or put me in a trance or in a special state where I just lose awareness and go into some kind of uh, blissful uh, realm, uh, you know, that is uh, out of touch with this, with the realities of this moment. It centers me, it grounds me here. The body belongs here. The body's like this. This old, heavy body. Like this, sitting here, breathing. Also, awareness, it gives me perspective on emotions, you know, like how I feel right now, just emotionally. The kind of mental quality, emotional quality. But I'm not interested in the emotional quality, but just recognizing it, you know, it is a, just to be aware of, of feeling, emotion, the way it is in the present, because it's changing. Try to sustain 
try to create a permanent emotion, permanent happiness, permanent depression. Well, they, they change and move, they're conditioned. They're not unconditioned phenomena. They're not unconditioned. So, that which is aware, now putting yourself the sense of Buddha knowing the Dhamma. Buddha is the knowing, it's a, a conscious awareness. This is refuge in Buddha. Buddha knowing Dhamma. So this is a paradigm, uh, say Buddhist, uh, Buddhist uh, terminology that we use. Because they are not personal identities. You know, we don't identify I'm Buddha or I'm Dhamma or anything like that. And if you do, you'd recognize that, you know, it's ridiculous. Don't, don't want to, you know, build an ego around being Buddha or Dhamma or Sangha. People nowadays in the Pasma circles, we're Sangha too. Are, are lay people Sangha? The Pasana Sangha, our Sangha, then they got the hard line is only Bhikkhu Sangha is the real Sangha. And all like that, it goes on. Yeah. Everybody's got their own take, their own precious view about Sangha. That's not the point. Sangha has <coughs> nothing to do, that, that, you know, not, a, not to be defined in personal ways, but it's refuge of awareness. Human individual awakened, aware, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. So the Bhutto or the Buddha knowing the Dhamma. That's not Ajahn Sumedho knowing uh, all about Dhamma. That's different, isn't it? That's, that's conventional reality. But if I follow that as my record, Ajahn Samedo knowing all about Dhamma, I don't find that helpful. That's not, it just, that perception of myself as somebody who knows Dhamma, and my name is Ajahn Samedo and I know all about the Dhamma. I don't find that a, a liberating a perception to attach to or to come from. But I think I'm, I'm Ajahn Sumedho knowing all about that. I have to be the expert, the meditation master, the authority. And it brings up all my, the sense of my self-importance, my special position. Me. Bhikkhu. Tanjau Kun. 40 year, 40 wasa Bhikkhu. First Western disciple of Ajahn Shah. All that kind of stuff. And that is, that's not liberating to, to operate in that way. To, to be, you know, it's just misery because then it's, you're creating these illusions which are, have no ability to liberate. They just bind you. 
to limitation, to sakyaditi. So refuge in Buddha then is this here and now Santitiko Dhamma. The knowing, the awakened consciousness, knowing Dhamma is this. Now this knowing isn't knowing about, it's not based on <coughs> on concepts or anything. It's direct knowing. Not it's not what you should know according to Theravadan Buddhist authorities. It's direct knowing. Because this is a natural state, isn't it? Being a conscious being, being a human being, a human body that's sitting and breathing here and they're conscious so there's this experience now of knowing consciousness itself you know. minyana citta is this So it's not knowing all about Dhamma and Mahayana and Hinayana and all the rest. It's not knowing all about everything that's Buddhist or what you think is Dhamma. But this is the experience of knowing, being this human situation that we're all in, having a, a human body experiencing consciousness from this point, from this body, from this place here, sitting here. So this is like this reflection is to just, just to um, encourage this, this awake, observing the way it is. Now the, the, the poly Suttas and that are very helpful in this because they they, they give it kind of like an agreed vocabulary that that takes out the personal uh, strong personal identities. You know, like Ajahn Sumedho gets too personal. The name Ajahn Sumedho or whatever, or even our poly names, isn't it? We get so strong identified with our poly names. So then, uh, and with our other names before we were given Pali names. My name is Sumato, and this is my my name, not your name. But awareness is is nameless; it doesn't belong to anybody. Natural. Here and now, Santitiko Dhamma. Now, coming from this Bhutto Tamol position, awareness is knowing of the way it is, 
So this knowing is this consciousness. And because we have a form, we have a human body, and we're experiencing consciousness from this point, from this position that we're sitting in at this moment. So the sanctity code apparent here and now, like this. Breathing like this, feelings like this. The sense of oneself, me and mine, is like this. Things come up, our own cultural prejudices or views or opinions or identities and thinking. Thinking is an obsession of modern life. In this, in this puto tamo, sound of silence, resting in this awareness, this thought can come and go, but we're not trying to think anymore, not trying to figure it out, or analyze it, or name it, or define it, just recognize this. And you know, a lot of you have read the Nisargadatta, I am that. Remember when I first read that book, I thought, what in the heck does that mean? <laughs> I am what? That? <laughs> well, that's just a, a way of, of, of kind of acknowledging this, this awareness. When we put it into, I am this awareness, I am pure consciousness, then, you know, this, this, Fair enough to reflect in that way, but then it easily tends to get into, you know, the I am is so strongly identified with the person, with being, I am the body, I am Ajahn Sameta. But this awareness, this consciousness, if you don't think about it, there's no I am, doesn't arise. But if you still need to say something, say, I am that, this consciousness, this awareness. Now in enlightenment, this is enlightening. This, this, when, when I trust this, when it, just this simple imminent recognition of awareness like this, the, all my sense of myself and, and that kind of drops away if you're patient enough. You kind of sustain, uh, be patient, allowing your feelings to be what they are, uh, your thoughts or whatever. Not not a matter of controlling or getting rid of, but just letting things take their natural course. Uh, emotion, emotional feeling like this, thinking, habits, tenseness. Whatever is, you know, it's not a matter of trying to control or change, but it's just embrace, allow it, be, be it the, allow it to be the way it is, whatever, however pleasant or unpleasant or boring or whatever it might be. Resting in this, being this, 
So a sense of uh, individual self drops away. And that's the dukkha, the suffering. To feel this sense of separateness. And that this is this separation. I'm this body. I'm this person. Uh, I belong to this group. I'm this, I belong to this nationality. I am, you know, the way I am a good person or a bad person. All this kind of thing. It's a, always defining ourselves in terms of qualities and conditions. And it's always a separate, that's why the Buddha pointed to it as dukkha, because there's no, there's no identity you can think of or create that will ever be satisfactory. It's just impossible. Because they, they, any of these conditions, the self, the sakyaditi, it, it comes out of ignorance, of conditioning, habit. <clears throat> it, uh, you know, it's base, it's, it, it, it can't sustain itself. It has no ultimate reality. It merely kind of creates, we can build a whole world of illusions around the sense of I am this body, I am this person. Which we do, you know, the whole world's doing, and everybody seems to be enmeshed in this of each other. But you don't have to do it, you don't have a choice. It's a retreat, then see, you know, this is this retreat is the opportunity to keep gently, you know, this not, I don't want to kind of push you and compel you. Because we're easily, easily triggered, you know, we're easily intimidated by that. And it's, I should go practice and get into the old uh, compulsive mode because we're from compulsive societies. All about progress and the future and achieving. And that's our culture, that's the cultural conditioning. So I'm not trying to feed that or, you know, try to reinforce ignorance, but this, this retreat, in terms of my attitude, is more, more kind of encouragement, appointing. Not, I'm not here to kind of push or pressure you, intimidate you. You know, if that's how you, that's how I seem, that's not my intention. Now, of course, we do suffer from getting bored when everything's peaceful. Peace is boring for the conditioned personality. We all kind of wind say, peace, peace. But you notice when there's any long period of peace, usually we find something to create a problem with. I mean, let's face it, we like excitement. A lot of people go to boxing matches or football matches for peace. You go to a football game to be peaceful and watch England being beaten badly by the Australians in cricket to feel does that bring peace to them? 
it's exciting, isn't it? You know, kind of get emotional and when your side wins, I mean, you know, ooh, you go crazy, scream and yell, and you know, over, you know, these, these guys kicking a ball around the field. Because uh, it's exciting, or or uh, war and sex and all these things. They, they kind of, they're all so exciting. They're not peaceful. So the society we live in gives us a whole plethora of uh, of uh, exciting distractions. And then. Well, now we're we're taking refuge in Buddha Dhamma Sangha, so it's not. This is not for excitement. This is not exciting. It's enlightening, awakeness is like this. It's not excitement. It's not being blasted with light and you're kind of floating up into the heavenly realm. Boring. You know, emotionally we can feel. We don't even may not emotionally even like it. We like the idea of becoming enlightened. The ego loves to think of, you know, being being enlightened, being a coming an arahant and all that. That's like an achievement, a personal achievement. You know, how many English people have ever achieved arahantship? You know, it's uh, to be, you know, to really be a proclaimed, acknowledged arahant here in the UK. You know, that'd be, and we're even in the Theravada system. It's all, you know, sense of Sakyaditi, isn't it? Trying to become an Arahant and just taking it and wanting to become Prime Minister or the most famous rock star or whatever. I mean, it's all on the same level of becoming, becoming Arahant, becoming, uh, a famous film star becoming the king of England. <laughs> I don't think that puts that people want that anymore. But I mean, putting it into terms of ultimate worldly achievements is arahantship a worldly achievement? Is it an achievement, an attainment, in the way that becoming prime minister might be considered, or? a famous uh, film star. So I recognize you, it's the total opposite of all worldly values and attitudes. And so this is where this recognition of the reality of unconditioned reality is this. Now recognizing this, realizing this, and then cultivating it. Now this, you know, over the years of my monastic life, I've cultivated this. Bringing it, you know, more and more just recognizing it, valuing this.
not it's like, it's like nothing really. It's not doesn't have any quality, uh, you know, that excites or or you could you know if you say you know when worldly people ask for you know they want to know what kind of great attainments I've achieved forty years as a Buddhist monk. If I said I've attained all the jhanas and and I've attained all the stream entry and sakata kamiyana kamiyana, then that would impress worldly people, wouldn't it? I haven't wasted my life. I've you know I've gone through all these obtained all these different kinda uh, practices. I can uh, I can do all kinds of you know. I have psychic powers, I can read minds, walk on water. You can bury me under the ground and dig me up in, in, in a week and I'm still breathing. Um, I have PhD in Buddhism. <laughs> I don't know, like that. The world would be impressed, you know. Monastics, they would give you a cold, you know. Monks go around a little business cards and they list, you know, chairman of this conference and PhD from this university and I don't know, like you have a whole, you know, some, some, some monks like to collect titles and, and uh, letters after their name. Because on a worldly level, this, this, you know, this doesn't impress me, I feel sickened by it actually, but but some people are actually impressed by that worldly, you know, the worldly, uh, this, this monk is a really important monk. He's got his titles and got all these, uh, you know, qualifications. But what is this? This is no, doesn't sound like anything. Awareness here and now. So what? You mean you've spent 40 years just doing that? <laughs> I don't think a worldly mind might react in such a way. That, what do monks and nuns do there at Amavati? You know, we have to work hard for a living and nitty-gritty of life, you know, paying taxes and supporting a family and, uh, and you're just sitting up there, you know, expect people to bring you food and a nice place, you know. Hertfordshire countryside and well we chart Polly's <laughs> that sounds pretty pretty weak doesn't it in terms of impressing the lay community but it is this cult you know the, this is say the cultivation living in a community like this living in this place. Now some people are never content here. They're always thinking they want to go somewhere else. You know, so that, you know, living here, is it that easy? You know, you can, you know, is it a state of permanent bliss or, you know, living in community or create, we affect each other. We, we react to each other personally and there's all kinds of monks and nuns living in the same monastery and on and on like this problems endless around 
gender, around seniority, around tradition, around vinaya, around all kinds of things. We can we can create endless, endless problems just on the conventional level of Amravati. With all the shoulds and shouldn'ts and what's right and what's wrong and so in this this way, you know, not not observing this, you know how we do, you know, emotionally how we we react, affect each other like this. Not saying, yeah, I'm not trying to judge it, but just recognize it like this. Not wanting to live in a big community like this. Wanting a little peace and quiet away from all the pressure of communal life is like this. So it's like this. Allowing, I'm not trying to intimidate you or make you feel guilty about being discontented, but recognizing, you know, discontentment, wanting something I don't have or not wanting what I have is like this. And being this puto, knowing it in terms of Dhamma, is like this. Non, non-judging, so it's not saying I shouldn't feel discontented, I should be content, that's another, you know, that, not, not saying that, but recognize not wanting, wanting to be somewhere else is like this. Wanting this community to be something else is like this. Not wanting the community to be the way it is is like this. Now when I do this, then the problems dissolve. Nothing, no problem. There's no self, no problem, nothing. Get, have a roof over your head, food in your own bowl. Thank you. You begin to appreciate, find contentment, not to trying to become someone content, but just by recognizing, awakening. Today, it's, a, it's all, all we have to do. It's not really doing anything, is it? Like the, the monastic form, the formal retreat, it's just surrender to it, just do it. You know, don't think about it. This, this, don't make a problem about the, you know, the, the, the form or the conventional form. It's good enough, it's okay, this is for two weeks. Don't, you know, don't spend your time trying to change it or make any, inform any views, it's just this way, and therefore, you, you know, just following the, the form, the schedule, so forth, but being aware, you know, of emotional reactions, resistances, or obsessions, or 
compulsions that arise during this time like this this attitude of relaxed attention without happening not just letting things flow through you letting conditions emotions thoughts whatever they might be just flow so that they're not you're not you don't have to do anything with them 